beautiful soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where i try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else i feel like talking about i'm your host Britt cannon and this week we're talking about the white ego um i did there's an episode way back in the archives about just the ego in general And I think it's like, definitely go back and listen to it if you haven't already. If you'd like to get a, you know, a better understanding of your ego and how it works. Um, But it kind of ties into last week's episode about the matrix where my, my experience with the ego is basically that it's, it's the operating system that runs those subconscious programs, you know, like the ones from childhood that our parents put into us. That's like your ego runs the abandonment issue program. Your ego runs the, um, you know, the self, <laughs> self-flagellation uh, program. It runs imposter syndrome. It runs comparison. It runs jealousy. It runs lack. Um, and that's why the ego is sort of overcomable in the sense that as you address those, as you realize those programs are programs and you uh, undo them by healing them, by making yourself aware of them and then working on healing them, you kind of overcome them. Like even if the voice, uh, you know, a shadow, a remnant, like a, like a little piece of shrapnel of the ego is still there. It's not, it's not in the driver's seat anymore. And so that ties into to whiteness in the sense that I like to think, I think the perfect metaphor for the ego is the snake in the Garden of Eden, right? Like it's this kind of clever, manipulative, sneaky um, presence. It's like the devil on your shoulder, right? There's an angel and the devil. Like the angel on your shoulder is like your higher self or your intuition. And then the devil on your shoulder is the ego. It's the one that's always tempting you away from growth or away from expansion because the ego doesn't want to experience death. This is like true on a cosmic, like lifelong level in the sense that your ego is the one that runs the program I'm afraid of death because the ego doesn't want to die. Um, Because the ego sort of believes that the here and now is all there is. Um, That's, it kind of runs these like earthly programs. The ego is also really helpful in a lot of ways in the sense that the reason why we developed it in the first place was so that we could protect ourselves and, you know, um, evolve as quote unquote intelligent species. I don't, I don't really, I don't really agree with the sentiment that we're like the most intelligent species on the planet just because like we're the ones who learned how to communicate in languages the way that we do. Um, I think that's kind of like arrogant, but anyway, uh, that's like why we developed it so that we could judge. So we could like judge this is safe for me to do. This is unsafe. Like, um, in its most simple form, it's like knowing what, what food you can eat or not eat when you're living in the forest and like foraging. Um, 
so it's a very evolutionary sort of necessary thing we developed, but, um, because of its resistance to growth, because every time you have a realization, the ego dies, um, in, in like yoga or meditation practice, every time you transcend your body, the ego dies. Like that is a true ego death. The moment when you, when you access your consciousness beyond your body to the point that you sort of forget that you're in a physical body, that's like, that's like a major ego death because it's, um, it's like pretty ding dang close to actual transitioning out of your physical body into the next plane of existence when you like cross over as in when you die. Um, and like a lot of gurus, my favorite guru, uh, Ram Das, who like, you know, his, they all, all these like hippie, um, hippie like spiritual cats from the 60s like the Beatles and like um Ram Dass and Timothy Leary like all those people were kind of from the school of transcendental meditation that the Maharishi taught and um so it's all this like this Buddhist enlightenment stuff about like um how life is training for death like death is the final test of life and that basically we're supposed to like become so fluid in changing and growing and like experiencing ego death that when the time comes to like have our final death that we're like welcoming and you know curious and it's sort of this light process instead of this heavy fearful scary sad thing which i kind of like but, um, you know, we also, we don't just have these like programs from childhood running in, in our ego's operating system. We all, also have programs from society, uh, you know, the white supremacist, capitalist, cis heteropatriarchy. Um, and I always say white supremacist first, because I think when you look at history objectively, you know, not in the way that it's taught in this kind of whitewashed, you know, uh, seeing colonialism and like white greed as this like, you know, sort of evolutionary step on humanity's path towards like being civilized or whatever. I think that's, you know, that's all white supremacy. It's like bullshit. But um, if you look at history, it's like whiteness has historically been the one that's out here like conquering, trying to own things, enslaving other people. Um, you know, like, of course, like <laughs> things take left turns in humanity all the time. Like there are egos present in all of us. But um but specifically with white people, it's like, I don't exactly know the turning point. I've been meaning to like research this, although I don't know if there is like a definitive, definitive answer. But at some point, like maybe during Greek and Roman times, maybe it was before that, I'm not sure. I guess like Vikings kind of did it too. Like they were the first to set sail and explore new lands in that way. I don't know. There just started being this like acquiring that started happening. And it, when you look at like something like... um like colonization, um, basically what was happening was the, these white explorers, European explorers, were going to other places, like quote-unquote discovering them, because they're, it's kind of like how America sees like 
developing countries. Like, let us come in and show you the way of being civilized, which really means, like, let us come in and show you the ways of capitalism. Um, And there's this, like condescension there like this white superiority um that is like we're more intelligent than you like this is the explorers speaking to like the indigenous people and um you know when there was resistance there may have initially been like some you know curiosity or something as like just exploring each other but um eventually that like white supremacy led to this entitlement which was like i am justified in hurting you to acquire your resources like you're in the way of me expanding um materially financially even if they were seeking religious freedom like it's still like colonization like it's still wrong to go in someone else's home and kick them out basically and I just think that this program like like anything with the ego that got that goes unchecked um it just grows and grows and grows and the ego knows no satiation like the ego is always hungry for more and the ego is it never tires like I love picturing it as like a little snake like a little devil snake always swirling around me you know kind of looking through my growth looking through my stability looking through my balance looking through my healing to find little cracks to like slip its way in so that it can start um you know, tainting my, um, like my health, basically, like my mental and emotional and spiritual health, one little thing at a time. It's kind of like just a manipulative person, the ego, you know, it's like, how can I undermine your confidence? Like, what's the thing I could say to make you doubt your progress or like question yourself? Like, how can I gaslight you? And it really is terrible because the ego lives inside us. So it's like, that's what we do to ourselves. Like our ego is us gaslighting ourselves. Our ego is us abandoning ourselves. Um, but in the case of like whiteness, it in the white ego, we're, if we're going with that like Garden of Eden snake metaphor, like the white ego is always trying to justify white supremacy, right? The white ego doesn't want to die. And this goes into power. Like the ego is the program that runs, or the ego is the operating system that runs the power program. And what is power and greed, if not lack? Like, Greed is saying, I don't trust that there's enough for everyone. So, like, I have to hoard resources to make sure I'm okay. But it's like, if you really examine that, it's like, well, you're operating from fear. You're operating from selfishness. Um, you're operating from a place really of, like, violence. Because as we're seeing in this pandemic situation, you know, if someone goes to the store and buys up as much toilet paper as they can carry home, that means that someone else doesn't have what they need. Whereas if everyone just went about their business normally and just bought what they normally bought, then everyone would have what they need. No one would be suffering. And you can, like, expand that on, like, a (laughs) bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger scale until you're talking about, like, these billionaires and trillionaires who live these lavish lifestyles at the expense of like all of us, not just the employees they exploit and hurt and sometimes literally murder, enslave in some places, you know? Um, but also, uh, 
you know, just like all of us, like there are homeless people because there are billionaires. Um, when you have more, someone else has less. And that's like sort of the white ego is operating from that place of like, of power, of, um, comfort, of entitlement, of selfishness, of like privilege makes you ignorant. Like, um, it's this spiritual truth of like, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So like when you grow up extremely privileged, like say, like say, okay, like your parents get divorced when you're a kid, but, but otherwise, you know, you had everything you needed materially provided for you. You grew up a white kid, like you went to good schools. Um, you know, you ha- had support. You didn't have any like mental or physical ailments. You're cis, you're straight, maybe even a man, although white women, like we're going to talk about that too. But like, so you go through life being like, yeah, like life is, you know, there's bumps in the road, but everything is relatively easy for me. So you just assume that everyone else has had your exact same experience. And that's like incredibly dangerous when you hold systemic power because you're never going to on your own, just like come up with like, hmm, I bet some people have it harder than me. In fact, what the white ego does is it, it just like has you, um, the ego is the operating system that runs the cognitive dissonance program, which is that I have my little worldview that's shaped by my little experience and anything that challenges that must be wrong. And like, I guess that's what I sort of want to, I want to like address and define, you know, and like demystify the white ego. And then I also want to go into like how we can get this thing under control. Um, which again, like if you want to explore ego on just like a regular, just the ego level, go back and listen to that other episode, but it's like, everything is everything. Like this is, this is how it works across the board. Um, first you have to acknowledge it, right? That's like, Okay, so a great example of the white ego is, like, you, I think all, like, millennial-age people sort of had this experience, if you're, like, at all socially aware, you know, if you paid attention in history class at all, if you have access to empathy at all, um, you you grew up with parents who were like a little bit problematic, maybe on the spectrum of like a little bit problematic to like incredibly racist. We'll say like, that's where most of our parents exist somewhere on that spectrum as white people. And I also want to say just like, I'll mention this probably several times, but like whenever I'm speaking on like matters of race, I'm always speaking to white people. Like that is your job as like a white person in this this current shift in social consciousness, like your job and is exclusively to educate other white people. Like everything you learn, it's your job to share it. Um, because like, this is our problem. (laughs) The white ego is our, it's a me problem. Um, and we shouldn't be like any longer putting that responsibility on people of color, especially black people to like help us tear down our white ego or be like, why don't you pitch to me why I should be dealing with this? It's like, you should be dealing with this because 
it needs to be dealt with. It's been causing, a, like, like, it's like when I say the white supremacist cis, capitalist cis heteropatriarchy, it's like if you think of that as like a big cloud over our heads, all, everything bad that happens to us, like all the storms that happen in our lives come from those systems. Um, like any reason, if you hate yourself, you know, if you like, if you're not body positive towards yourself, guess what? That comes from <laughs> the white supremacist capitalist is heteropatriarchy. Um, even trauma, you know, like our parents couldn't deal with their trauma because of insert systemic problem here. Like it could be white supremacy. It could be capitalism. It could be patriarchy. Like they're, they didn't have the resources they needed and the language they needed to like learn how to love. So they didn't treat us right. And this is like a thing we're unpacking now. So if you grew up like a white millennial, you probably confronted your parents or like some member of your family about their racism, right? Like you probably said like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't think of it this way. Maybe you should think of it like this. Um, or if you're not even like, if you weren't even talking about race, like if you're still one of those people that believes in like American politics, like you're just trying to talk to your Republican uncle about his, about not voting for Trump, you know? Um, so this, this like bizarre thing happens. This is like how the white ego works. You confront someone. You're like, maybe you shouldn't look at it this way. Maybe you should look at it like this. And then they get angry and defensive. That's where the cognitive, cognitive dissonance comes in. And the white ego jumps to the jumps to its own defense. It's saying like, you're presenting me with new information. And instead of being like, hmm, I understand that my privilege has made me ignorant to this experience and this new information allows me to have a more complete picture of reality. So like now I can adjust my behavior and my thought processes accordingly and just like exist in the world a more, um, let's say a less harmful presence. Instead, the white ego comes to its own defense and the person is like, I can't believe you're calling me a racist. So they're like taking it as like a personal insult a personal insult, which, yeah, it is, like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't want to be called racist, don't be racist, don't act fucking racist, um, and I guess, like, I don't know, I'm, like, getting ahead of myself, there's, like, so much to unpack here, um, too many thoughts at once, the, the defense, um, is, like, gaslighting, so the white ego basically like makes us toxic. Like it makes us abusers because we're saying this is what gaslighting is. Like gaslighting is what you're saying happened, didn't happen. If it did happen, it wasn't that bad. And like, if it did happen, it wasn't that bad. And how dare you like bring this to me? Like, how dare you hurt me by, asking me to take accountability for my behavior. So like, that's what we do to people of color with our white ego. We like diminish their experiences. We gaslight them. Um, even like historically speaking, I like, I think a lot about growing up white in Virginia and like the history we were taught was like a lie. And when I got to college, I had this like very white, rude awakening where I had to like relearn everything. And I was, I, it was like this really weird moment of like, kind of like when your parents 
like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real, like it was this really like scary, you know, reality collapse for me, ego death, white ego death, where I was like, holy shit, literally where we went to school to be trained in like how the world works, to be taught how to be a human, I was presented with completely false accounts of what happened. You know, everything from Christopher Columbus being this like benevolent explorer, brave hero guy, who's really like a genocidal maniac. Like if you read his writings, he's like a scary fucking person. Like he definitely skinned a cat or two in his life as a child. Like he's fucked up in the head and like a scary person. He like not a hero, right? Genocidal maniac. And then like should be as bad as like Hitler, you know, like we should think of the same, like the same kind of heaviness. And that's true of all these explorers. Like they came into these places and they devastated entire populations, not only with like the diseases they brought in, but like with, I mean, like, just like do a little Google search of like, you know, like what happened to the Aztecs or, um, in the Americas, like in Virginia, when you really get into like, like in Virginia, there were definitely, um, indigenous tribes there, but Virginia isn't like the Southwest. Like we don't have reservations like they have in, in the Western United States. And like, but whole our, my whole life, you hear about like the pilgrims and the Indians and like how they were friends and how it was peaceful. And it was like cooperative and how like, the indigenous people like really appreciated these like quote unquote civilized people coming in and like helping them and teaching them how to like be capitalist and make money. Like it's really, really, really sold to us as like, as like a good thing for everyone, like a mutually beneficial thing for everyone. And then the violence and the devastation and the genocide is like completely glossed over or ignored or like erased the younger you are, the less you hear about it. And then, you know, the older you get, you'll hear like little snippets of it. Um, but it is interesting that when you go, when you learn about, um, traumatic, you know, historical events, like the Holocaust, like every year we spent so much time on the Holocaust and it's like, obviously that's a very important time in history. And like Jewish people have endured like so much oppression, um, over just like over time like over and over again but um there is more empathy extended to that experience I think because they're white because of the white ego it's like oh I see your humanity more because you look like me um because it's more it's easier for me to see you as a victim and um that lack of empathy for people of color especially it's like the further away from whiteness they are it's like the less empathy is extended to them and you see this happen with these police shootings it's like or with you know police brutality with like arrests with just like the criminalization of like black men specifically like um how drug offenses are punished differently even though like most like most things involving crime are based on like how much money they are so like cocaine should have a higher like a worse um a worse punishment than like than crack really because it's like worth more money but because cocaine is considered like white people stuff and crack is considered black people stuff crack offenses are punished much more um 
what's the word like intensely so like you start looking at all this stuff and it's like well what is yesterday in my Sunday healing circle I had a good friend of mine Whitney come talk to us because she's a black woman and I just feel like I just felt like I wanted to like center black women's experience and just like you know just like listen and um be receptive and learn how to be a better um a better tear downer of the white ego a better like fighter of um of the white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy um and like just to get a better clearer picture of reality because I think that's really important in times like this like (sighs) the thing with the white ego is it says that it's entitled to the power and it doesn't even necessarily see the power as power right you see people like you try to talk to white people about white privilege and you're often met with like but my life was hard my life hasn't been easy and it's like well yeah that's not what we're saying we're just saying that like you have an easier time in life than someone who isn't white. And like, you know, it's true in everything because we have these preconceived notions of like what whiteness is like the white, like white supremacy sort of taints everything. Um, so Whitney proposed the question to all of us, like, what is whiteness to you? And all I could think about was like, you know, whiteness is a program. Like it's, it's seen as superior. It's seen as more fragile. It's seen as more civilized. It's seen as like more intelligent. Like there's all these, like it's seen as more like financially. It's like when you're homeless, when you're white, like I've been homeless, but like no one a like knew I was homeless or like no one ever assumed like my sister and I could walk in places like super duper dirty and no one said I mean people would like maybe move away from us because we smelled bad but like we didn't get kicked out of places um we didn't get the cops called on us like not even when we were living in my truck in places where that's illegal were we ever bothered um because like people see white people when white people see white people they don't think threat they don't think like criminal so like what is whiteness whiteness is like a weapon um and that's like the white ego distorts all of that and into how do I explain this the best way to explain it is like through the scope of like narcissistic abuse because I think that's what the white ego really is it's like it's like systemic narcissism. It's saying that like, it's this grandiose idea of like what whiteness is, but no one ever puts it in that, that way because it requires a certain amount of self-awareness and like shedding of the white ego in order to even get there. So like someone like Trump can say the most vile racist things and swear up and down that he's not a racist. And it's like, why is that possible? Because the white ego tells him like, you're not being racist. You're just telling the truth, right? Because he's like so convinced that his perception of reality is accurate. Um, it's just like these cops, you know, whenever they, they get down to it, they always say like, they're afraid, like they're just scared and that's why they're so trigger happy or like that's why they feel the need to like subdue black men specifically in these like really violent extreme ways that's the justification is like they're afraid but it's like 
when the fear is irrational, it's coming from the ego. Like, why are they afraid? Because to them, like, blackness is a threat. Like, someone just being around them and being black is seen as dangerous. And, like, that's a lie. Like, that's a program. Um, And it's, like, even calling it a lie in a program feels like it's trivializing it because it's actually violence. And um, this is a thing that now we're getting onto the subject of white women, which is, like, my favorite thing to talk about because, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I am one. I, like, the world sees me as a white woman and treats me accordingly. And, like, I was saying when I was homeless with my sister, like, two white women are, are almost, like, taken care of you know like people feel really sorry for you like it's people have much more empathy for you um and this has like this comes from a really actually like sinister ugly terrible place where um it's sneaky like it's like a covert narcissist like I would say like like the white supremacy of white men is like an overt narcissist it's like it's like that like boastful, arrogant, you know, will, will say things openly to hurt your feelings. Um, you know, that's like the police brutality side of it. And then like the, the white women brand of white supremacy or like white ego is much more covert and passive aggressive and, um, violent in a different way. So it's like, like white tears, like white women tears are an act of violence. Like that's the white ego, Um, it reminds me of just like, you know, like, well, it reminds me of like the, like the narcissistic women in my family who will be like, have done terrible, horrible things in their life. Right. Like, like stolen friends, husbands and like catfish people and like been con artists. But whenever they get caught, what do they do? They cry. They turn into these, like, even though they're, like, these strong, you know, like, like, formidable sort of forces in this world who create all this destruction and, like, hurt people all the time and are really, like, powerful and self-sufficient. The second they're confronted with, like, hey, this thing you did was wrong, they melt down in tears and suddenly it's about, like, this sob story and, like, I am this way because I couldn't help it and, like, I just need someone to take care of me and, like, protect me. It's this damsel in distress thing that white women are so good at because they've always done it. But if you, again, if you look back at history when this weapon of white women fragility is wielded like like horrifying things happen you know even here in New York like in the neighborhood I live in um I think it was last year two years ago there's this woman white woman in a bodega who like supposedly like there was an eight-year-old black boy in the bodega with her and she called the cops on him for like supposedly grabbing her ass but it's like it's a kid you know like I doubt an eight-year-old is grabbing your ass and even if an eight-year-old did grab your ass like get the fuck over it you're a grown woman like who calls the cops on a kid but it it like really it was one of those shift in consciousness moments where there was like you know some protesting and like uprising and just like these questions popping up again of like 
topics of like gentrification which in my mind is like modern day colonization like that's again white people going into spaces that are not theirs and claiming them um and displacing people and kicking them out of their homes which is again an act of violence it's covert violence no one's laying hands on anyone else but you're literally taking resources away from people who like I don't even from people who like it belongs to them like in the, in these neighborhoods in New York where like they're generational you know passed down in families um to go in and like make it just like slowly surely chip away at the economy of the place in such a way that no one who's always lived there can afford to live there any longer it's like you can it's so easy to wash your hands of it and be like it wasn't me like I just moved in here. Like, it's just an up-and-coming neighborhood. I'm making it better. It's cleaner now. It's safer now. You know, it's this white fragility of, like, of of lack of accountability. And I guess, like, that's where, that's where the white ego kind of displays itself as this systemic narcissism. Um, I'm never responsible for my actions. You see this happen with people with slavery all the time. The first, the first, the first, the first thing that comes out of white people's mouths whenever they talk about slavery, like even close, close friends of mine, like people who you would think would definitely know better. Like the first thing they always say is like, oh, my family were immigrants my family I'm Irish like they'd always always like they get so uncomfortable with the you know the accountability and it's like in my mind karmically if you came in this life as a white person you carry the karma of slavery like it's your job in this lifetime to um to take responsibility for it and then stop perpetuating it like it doesn't exist in the way that it did before you know we're not literally buying and selling people but what is the prison industrial complex if not modern day slavery um have things really changed that much if you if you do a little digging um and that's kind of the danger of the white ego like like ego needs rude awakenings ego that's why we sometimes experience these intense tower moments in our life because the ego sometimes like sometimes a gentle approach doesn't really work sometimes it needs to be jarred out of its perception of reality it needs like tough love and the thing with the white ego is that it's um it's enabled by society it tells us it tells white people again like you're justified in this like you're not racist you just like see black people as thugs because like black people commit more crimes like you can watch an episode of the office and the things that come out of michael scott's mouth are the white ego like um really they're ridiculous so ridiculous they can be you know um dialogue out of like a very offensive character's mouth and like this is i once wrote this article that i when i was doing celebrity gossip and like um and pitching, you know, like articles to medium and bitch media and stuff like that. Uh, I wrote this one that was called conscious ignorance, a white disease, <laughs> which is like, no wonder it didn't get published. Like what a title, <laughs> but, 
but it was about how white people grow up. We know racism our whole lives. Like, not only do we learn about civil rights in school, and like, so funny how white people are like, Martin Luther King Jr. this, Martin Luther King Jr. that, but are like the white moderate that he had so much disdain for who he called like more dangerous than the overt racist and like that's the thing with covert narcissism get healing from overt narcissistic abuse it's kind of like how even though being in a physically abusive relationship is extremely extremely traumatizing being in an abuse an emotionally abusive relationship um although usually they go hand in hand like usually if you're getting physically abused you're also getting emotionally abused but it's like the emotional abuse is harder to get over because there's so much manipulation involved that like you're literally the way abuse works is that it it makes you not trust your own perception of reality through the gaslighting so like this covert kind of white supremacy that we have going on right now is like that's what martin luther king jr was getting at it's like harder to get over because it's easier to deny um it's easier to gaslight but if you pay attention, it's, like, really pervasive in everything we do. Um, <clears throat> and this, you know, when when you think there's, like, superficial things that people complain about, like, representation. Like, I remember when that first started being a conversation. Oh, I was talking about, let me talk about my article first, and then I'll come back to this. Um, so it's about how white people always, we always know about racism. We learn about civil rights. Like, we read these things. We hear these things. We ingest these things. One of my favorite examples is, like, with the use of, like, you know, the racial slur. Um, in media, as early as I can remember, it was, like, a joke. Like, a white person uses the slur and then it's like a record scratch sound everyone freezes like all the black people in the room turn and look at the white person who just said it so like this is a thing i can remember my whole life seeing in things like this is a joke a trope that's been repeated over and over and over and over so why in the year of our lord 2020 are we still explaining to white people that they can't say it like they've known the whole time which is why conscious ignorance a white disease it's like that's the white ego it's like we know we've always known we know when our friends are racist you know we know when we're friends with karens we know when our parents say fucked up shit we're just cowards <laughs> so we don't confront it and it's like i guess like that is what i want to get at with the white ego is like you have to get over it like one of the worst things we do is, um, this is a perfect example of like white ego gaslighting is like when someone like in a workplace, when someone's like, I think I'm being mistreated because of my race, everyone goes, all the white people go, oh, they always have to make it a race thing. Like they always have to make it about race. And it's like, do they always have to make it about race or do we always have to make it about race? Because the sneaky shit we do, um, is what makes people uncomfortable and then like it's not easy to it's not easy to bring stuff like that up at work like if you've ever been sexually harassed at work and decided to bring it up to a boss or decided not to bring it up to a boss because you know it wouldn't go well you know it wouldn't go in your favor and you know it's going to traumatize you further to have to keep telling the story to people who don't fucking care about it like take that feeling and make it even worse and like that's what black people go through because of our ego like um 
we've we've always known like I've had to wake up to this kind of stuff you know like it's it's like I said it started in college where I was like oh shit um maybe the way that I've always been taught things is an actual reality like maybe there's I have some I have some thinking to do um and it was really hard you know I had some like very sort of militant teachers who did not have time for like the coddling and the like stupid questions and stuff which I'm thankful for now but it was really uncomfortable for me in the class sitting there like I would find myself blushing all the time and just like sometimes in you know like wanting to use my white tears and like cry and be like everyone's being so mean to me this is so hard and take it really personally but I'm really grateful for it now because it did snap me out of it but at the same time you know like like um you know you're in like a group of all white people and someone tells a racist joke and like everyone laughs you know it's like little bits of uh being complicit in it you know that's like letting everyone know that it's okay that they think that way again it seems scary and like hard to be like actually that's not funny (laughs) you know that seems like oh my god like who does that uh and I think that's like one of the ways that the white ego works which if you really look at it is kind of like it's kind of like anti-indigenous like it's kind of inherently racist this concept of like manners or like social tact or uh I love the phrase respectability politics Because respectability politics says if the protesters would just protest peacefully, then maybe their demands would be heard. But, like, that's the white ego gaslighting because it's really like if the police would stop killing people, (laughs) there would be no need for protests. So it's like putting the blame on the victim instead of on the perpetrator. Respectability politics is like if you would speak in a way that is palatable palatable to me as a white person, you know, using like quote unquote uh, correct grammar or like expecting people to like adhere to this white construct, you know, this like thing that we created that says like this is what professional is, like this is what acceptable is, which means like if you're not white, you better act white. It's the same thing, like, back in Virginia. I don't know, like, if it's the same way in New York or, like, wherever you're listening from. But in Virginia, where I'm from, it's, like, a very common thing for workplaces to say, like, if you're black, you cannot wear your hair natural. You have to straighten it or wear wigs or, like, keep it up. Like, you can't wear it natural. To this day, like, I I have friends who are my age who've been fired from places of work, like, teaching jobs like uh like professional jobs because of their natural hair so like you think about that it's like so you're telling think about the self-hatred that goes into that like like how you exist naturally is inherently unprofessional like because it doesn't adhere to whiteness because it's because because you look different than me how you look is unacceptable, is punishable, is fireable. And think about like the lack of safety and like how far away you are from self-love when the system, you know, when like the way that you need to survive, because like that's how, that's how you know capitalism isn't a choice because none of us agree to this. You're born into it and you are forced to participate. If you don't participate, you're homeless. You're like, your survival is threatened. So like in order to make money to survive people of color but worst 
black people have to adhere to these standards of whiteness which is rooted in white superiority like who decided that it was our job or that who decided that we were allowed to appoint ourselves the standard like that just i mean it's wrong on like a soul level you know you know i can't help but get into the spiritual side of things like to I don't know to just be like the whole point of of coming here as a human is to experience the full experience like the full roller coaster ride of life like we're supposed to taste all the tastes and hear all the sounds and feel all the heartbreak and go through all the struggle and learn all the lessons and part of that is like listening to other people's reality so that we can get a clearer picture like we're supposed to connect human to human that's why we're social creatures we're supposed to understand each other and support each other and love each other and like learn each other I I love the idea of like everyone carrying a piece of the cosmic puzzle and that it's our job like can you imagine if since the beginning of human history, I say this probably every episode, since the beginning of human history, if every single life was valued, you know, if every single story was appreciated and listened to and like passed down, if we listened this whole time, if we've been sharing this whole time, you know, if no one ever said, my experience is the most valid because of how I look or how I love or you know, because I've, I've mastered the art of exploiting others to make money. Like if no one did that, if everyone was seen as like equally important, equally interesting, equally wise, like just because they exist as an individual, I know this sounds corny. This is like, we are the world stuff, but it's like not, it's actually really deep and like important we teach kids this, you know, like celebrate your differences. Why do we teach kids about unconditional love and then expect them to grow out of it as adults? Um, when, when we put ourselves in this position of superiority, and this isn't even just true in regards to race, but I really think that like, like white supremacy is the umbrella of everything. And then underneath that is capitalism. It's kind of like the earth, you know, how you have like you have like the like the the outer layer and then blah 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 all the way down to get to the core like white supremacy is the outer layer it's like encompassing everything and then or the atmosphere space you can look at it any way you want but then like then I feel like it's capitalism and then I feel like it's patriarchy and then I feel like it's um you know like patriarchy then it kind of branches down into uh like the cis hetero stuff. And really what all this stuff does is just like cause us to limit ourselves because we're saying like there is a one standard experience and that one standard is experience is to be a wealthy cis straight white man. And that anyone who veers off of that that standard should feel bad about themselves and like should not have as good of a time through life. And is not as valid or important. And But I just think, like, what a shame. Like, we could be, we could be living the Jetsons life, you know, if we had been listening the whole time, if we'd been sharing the whole time, if we hadn't been, 
really like exploiting others. And again, this is like a specifically two white people thing is like we our sense of entitlement, that like narcissism that comes with the white ego that says, I deserve this. You know, I like, like a, talking to white men, even like, even white men who are like trying, <laughs> you know, they'll be like, but I'm good at my job, you know, but I studied hard. And like, they feel this sense of entitlement where they like can't consider that maybe part of the reason why they are where they are is because of their race and gender, because of their privilege, you know, it just doesn't occur to them because they feel entitled. They're like, their version of earned it is different than like, even my version of earned it. And my version of earned it is different than someone with my exact same experiences who is a different race, you know? And then those are, you know, the overlapping Venn diagrams of privilege. Um, And the whole point of like knowing about privilege and understanding privilege is so that we can start unpacking it. And that comes down to like relinquishing power, like realizing, becoming self-aware. The ego, once once the ego is not in the driver's seat, and this is just in general, but like let's think about it in terms of the white ego. Once the ego is not in control, you can see when it pops up, like you can observe it in yourself. One of my favorite spiritual truths is you are not the mind like having the thoughts, you are the mind observing the thoughts. And like, once you realize that you can separate yourself from the ego. So like white people are programmed from the jump, from the time we're born to be racist. Like we're taught to be white, little white supremacists, like white people are better. We're taught that from the media we watch, from our racist ass families, from society in general, like like Whitney in the Sunday healing circle yesterday was sharing like, like observing as a child, observing how black people were treated differently. But like white kids, when white kids see that they're seeing like white supremacy at work. And, um, so that's telling them like, this is how you should exist in the world. And then But when, like, a black child is seeing that happen, they're seeing it as, like, this is how I should expect to be treated. So it, like, sets up this inequality, like, very, very young. And, like, if you work with kids at all, you see these programs come out in them, like, scarily early. Um, And, you know, it's all, like, it all works through the subconscious and, like, through trauma and just... The ego like loves the subconscious programs like it. That's how it weasels its way in and that's how it maintains itself and it refuses to die is um, because it makes you think it doesn't exist. And I think right now is a really important time for white people to be acknowledging their white ego. Like I see a lot of white people all of a sudden realizing a lot and sharing a lot and speaking on a lot. And it's really beautiful, but there is sort of this, um, (laughs) you know, these levels of wokeness for white people, um, where like the first level is like, I just realized how terrible things are. 
And I want everyone to feel sorry for me that I just realized how terrible things are. It's that like, I haven't been a perfect ally. I know I'm just waking up to this, but I'm really trying. And it's like asking for this reassurance from the people you're oppressing. It's like sick, really, if you think about it. It's like, baby me, make me feel better. Because like, I just realized I'm terrible. (laughs) It's like fucked up so like I would really love for white people to like become aware of that like like it's okay to feel guilty it's okay to feel embarrassed for what you didn't know like you should a little bit because like you should have known like black people always have to know people of color in general always have to know it's the same way that like not the same way because like obviously black women have to think of the intersections of like patriarchy and white supremacy so it's not the same but like as a white woman you can think about like how your whole life you're kind of taught to fear men like you're you're taught to fear men because it's like men are dangerous like that's a rule that we live with because of patriarchy because men have their male ego which tells them they're entitled to objectify us they're entitled to more money they're entitled to more opportunities they're entitled to more power because like that's just the way it is i didn't ask for this power it was bestowed upon me but it's like you could relinquish that power by um, being a more trustworthy individual, you know, by understanding the ways that your that your white ego, that your privilege um, makes you ignorant to the realities of the world, for the ways that it encourages you to be mediocre <laughs> in everything you do, because like you're just celebrated more for less. Um, you can start realizing that we don't exist in a vacuum, you know, that like, that like, uh, you know, I'm, say I'm Lena Dunham and I'm like writing girls and I think, well, my experience is that I'm a white woman and I hang out with mostly white women and I know mostly white people. So like, that's the show I'm going to create. And it's like, yeah, you can exist, you can, like, pretend you exist in a vacuum like that, or you could think, like, I have a lot of privilege, I've been giving a pretty big platform, so maybe it's my responsibility to become educated so that I don't leave anyone out of this art I'm creating. Um, It's like this, it's a willingness to grow, is what it is. Like, You don't have to think, like, I've overcome my white ego or, like, I haven't overcome my white ego, so I don't, I might as well, like, not even try or I shared a couple memes, so I'm done now or I expressed, I, like, projected my white guilt onto one of my friends of color and, like, they had to comfort me and now I feel better because I manipulated them into doing that emotional labor for me. You know, like, (laughs) let's just stop and breathe for a minute. I think that one of the best ways to tackle the ego is with information, with facts. Um, And, you know, in in the same way that researching your own experience allows you to become more self-aware, to see your patterns, to see your thought processes, to see where you may self-sabotage or get in your own way, to see where you're afraid or resistant, you know, like to see your patterns. It's also important to sort of research other people's experience. And I love pointing out that like 
like the fight for black liberation and you know i'm speaking specifically about like the black experience and like how the white ego creates this system of injustice um just because like that's what's going on right now but also because if you if you cater to like the most marginalized in society like everyone else is going to be fine you know like like if things get better for like queer black people if they're taking care of in society in this society we've set up where they're like sort of at the bottom of the priority list um everyone else will have a better life too it's like we make it more equitable at the at that level and then everyone else like levels out as well um it's kind of like that thing you know like when you're on a sports team that's like we're only as good as our weakest player like or we're only as strong as our weakest player like uh that's what mutual aid is it's like we take care of each other in a good relationship like sometimes one person is like great and the other person is struggling and like you don't just go about your business like things are going so great for me like um fuck you like good luck you know you like stop and help um and uh that's what it's about it's about like caring being a good person in the sense that like not prioritizing your own comfort over other people's safety like um in instances of like like part of the problem is that we're afraid to talk about race like that's what I was gonna say black people have been talking about they've been begging us to see them as human beings and like give them equal access to resources and safety and like just stop murdering them you know they've been asking for that since day one like (laughs) you know uh capturing people from their home and chaining them to a boat and taking them to a new country where they're suddenly being bought and sold like no one agreed to that that was not like a consensual thing you know so from the beginning there's been resistance to this white supremacy we've been forcing on the world so like this is not new (laughs) this resistance to this is not new we just haven't been listening or like haven't cared or like we're, we're thinking about our own best interest so like now the conversation is still happening and these days we're going like don't bring that up like I don't I don't want to talk about that or like I don't know how to talk about that even people who mean well are like so uncomfortable about conversations with race because of the ego like the ego is what it was what's making you uncomfortable because really like there's no reason why someone else sharing their experience should trigger you to the point of defensiveness it's not about you at all (laughs) you know so like anything you're taking personally from that is like your problem to deal with and that's what a mature person does they go I just had some like major resistance come up in me and like so clearly this is something I need to unpack it's no more like it doesn't have to be any more emotional than that it's just like oh I saw myself get angry at something Like, it's like when you read a post that's, like, calling out white people, and you have a moment, you know, you get your little feelings hurt, you go in the comments, you start reading things, and you're, like, in a mood for a second, you know? Some people get in that mood, get in that defensive space, and then they go comment something shitty. Uh... And, like, that's, like, the white ego. Like, then you're going into someone's space on someone where they're sharing their experience, where they're being vulnerable and, like, trying to, like, 
it sucks that sometimes the only way to get people to care about other people's experience is to like put your trauma on display, you know, is to like talk about the ways you've suffered because that's almost like, that's like forcing people to relive it again. It's like the Me Too movement, you know, it's like, why should, why should we all have to go and share these like explicit stories of like times when we've been hurt in one of the worst ways that a human being can be hurt just so other people can recognize our humanity and like that what they're doing is wrong. But like, that's what we ask as white people, that's what we ask black people to do all the time. Like until we see a video of it go viral on our news feeds over and over and over and over again, we don't care. Like we've always known this was happening. Like <laughs> police brutality, especially like that's been, if you're, if you were born in the, in the eighties, like I was, it's always been happening. Like, I always think of Rodney King. I knew what that was. I knew what that, I knew what police brutality was. And I knew that it happened to black people, specifically black men, more than it happened to white people. Like I knew it was a thing from a very young age. Um, and yet I still had this reality collapse happen when Trayvon Martin was killed, where I was like, holy shit, this is a thing. You know, it's like, that's kind of what the ego does. That's why we have to realize things in, in pieces sometimes, because the ego resists that death. It's like, no, 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 I can't handle the whole truth right now. I just need a little piece of it. And if you've experienced growth at all, you know, if you've dealt with your just ego in general at all, you know that that's true. That like, sometimes it's like red flags in a relationship, you know, like, you have that that day one, like, oh, that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if I can, like, deal with that. But then you're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. And then five years later, it's, like, one of the nails in the coffin of the relationship, you know? It's because our ego, like, can't handle it all at once. Um, so it's up to us. Like, confront it a little bit at a time. Confront it every day white women when you're in public for example and like you're in a space sharing a space with other human beings like say excuse me look people in the face ask them how they are like talk to people um <laughs> I don't know just like don't be so entitled recognize that the way you exist in the world is probably more violent than not these little microaggressions even you know like calling someone articulate like white people do this to people of color a lot being like surprised by someone's intelligence or surprised that someone is successful or like um like challenge your definition of whiteness challenge what whiteness means to you or even just define what whiteness means to you or how you see whiteness existing in the world um question your perceptions realize the ways that you um display white supremacy like see the the power that you hold and and really like examine the ways that you wield it and i guarantee you like the as you start paying attention to this you'll be horrified at yourself and at the people around you but what happens is um the white ego gets less and less and less and less in control and then what happens is you start wanting to talk to other white people about it and like correcting it in them and that is that's like the way um part of the kind of like fucked up thing about oppression is that uh you have to 
let's see, like, like when feminism, uh, you know, in my like mid early twenties, when feminism was coming around and there was this, like this, like wave of like, you know, it's actually pretty fucked up that we grow up knowing about rape culture our whole lives. And like that we're taught to sit with our legs closed or like not dress a certain way or watch our drinks at the bars. Like actually living with that kind of fear, like is not good for you. And it's really putting the, the burden on us to like not get assaulted. And that's pretty like, fucked up when men could just like stop assaulting (laughs) and we wouldn't have to live with that you know there's like a certain amount of like appealing to the oppressor that you have to do in order to change and it's not that you have to like like we don't have to convince like the kkk to stop being racist although there are people who do that you know like um uh i can't remember what show it was Oh, no, I know what it was. I wrote this article when I was writing Celebrity Gossip about this old black man who, for some reason, he, like, accidentally made friends with someone in the KKK and ended up convincing him to, like, leave the KKK. And then he was like, oh, wait a second, maybe this is a thing I can do. And so he started, like, making it his job to go speak to people and men in the KKK and, like, just be like, hey, guess what? I'm a person. And I happen to be black and like, (laughs) doesn't change the fact that you like me, does it? And then the people would always be like, oh shit, I never thought about it like that, which is, you know, a whole different, like, that's like the white ego, you know, (laughs) to be like, wow, I've never seen a human being as a human being before. It's like, oh my God, like, why did you even need to have that conversation? What's wrong with you? But anyway, like. You can convince racists to not be racist, which is, like, that's white people's job. We should be doing that work. We have the safety. Like, even watching these videos of the protests and how, like, when white people, especially fragile-ass white women, put our bodies between the black protesters and the cops, they don't attack. They see our fragility as, like, that is more important to them than, like, being violent at the protests. Like, they literally will not attack us the way that they attack people of color. Um, And that says it all right there, I guess, right? Uh, We're seen as more valuable or something. Um, I don't know. You just have to do it. You have to do this work. It's hard. It's hard, but it's not as hard as fearing for your life every day. It's the least we can do. And, and, this is what I'm saying about appealing to the oppressor. Like, like the more white people who allow their minds to be changed, the more white people who confront their white ego, the more white people are activated into doing something about it. And unfortunately, the system, because it's white supremacist inherently, listens to white people. So like that's when things change. Um, that's not the way it should be. And hopefully when things start changing, we can address that and tear that down. But for right now, it's really, really, really important for white people to do this work. And it's important for you to empower yourself and educate yourself and like have these conversations yourself and put yourself like, like challenge the people that you follow on Instagram, not challenge them as in like confront them, but challenge them as in like, look at your list. Who are you following? Are you following like 
all white people? You know, are you following anyone who's an activist? Are you seeking out this information? Um, are you talking to your family members? Are you correcting your friends when they make racist ass jokes or like, are you putting your money where your mouth is? <laughs> um, or are you just like sharing memes and that's the end of the work or not doing anything at all? Um, I say this quote all the time and it's not even a quote because I paraphrase it. But <laughs> I love wording it this way. But in the times they are a change in, Bob Dylan says the old world is dying. Like it's going, it's gone. So like if you can't lend a, a hand in building the new one, then get the fuck out of the way. At least have the decency to not be impeding the progress. Um, it's up to you. And like, it's life or death. Like this is not a game. <laughs> um, it's important. And like, like I said, if you manifested white in this lifetime, it is our karmic duty. This has come around again and again and again and again. And like, that's the whole thing of karma is like, we miss this lesson lifetime after lifetime. And, um, if we really want to be done with it, if we really want to be like, if we want humanity to live up to its full potential, we have to deal with this. And I guess that's all I want to say. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to come on Sundays, there's a super cool healing circle every single week. It like blows me away with how much I learn and how much I heal and how deep we just get right away. Like there's no, no ego in that space. It's all love. Um, it's in my Instagram bio, uh, you can follow me at Brit underscore that's underscore it. You can email me questions or concerns. If you are listening to this and you're a white person and you have questions, please email me. Please DM me on Instagram. I love educating people and I love sparing my friends of color the burden of explaining this very simple shit to you. Um, you can email me at walkonmychild at gmail.com. If you would like to donate, you can donate to me at Brittany-Cannon-11 on Venmo or, you know, find an organization that helps black people to donate to or the people that you're learning from who are people of color, pay them. Um, thank you so much. I hope this helps. Please work on it. Happy healing. Beware of anyone who tries to stop you.